Well, February, as we all know, is Black History Month, a reminder to look back at Black Americans' long fight for full rights and citizenship. Twin Cities PBS released a documentary about that fight against restrictive racial real estate covenants. In 2019, it's called Jim Crow of the North. This mob of over 100 people marched on an African-American's house in October of 1909 to try to stop this family from moving in. The leading men of Minneapolis, as the newspaper called them, these are not the kind of people who want to be involved in mob violence. And they don't have to, because they have other tools that they can use. And there's this tool that they become aware of. It's called a racial covenant. And so just a few months after this confrontation, you see the first racial covenant appear in a Minneapolis property. And this is where you first see this racial language. Caucasians only, Aryans only, no Negroes or no members of African blood or descent. 100% of them were aimed at black people. In many ways, racial covenants, this is kind of ground zero of residential segregation. And the United States and racism have a very, very long history, but this particular deployment of racism is fairly new. And this idea was really made material through instruments like racial covenants. The law of the street, the law of the courts working in consort to discourage blacks from moving into white neighborhoods. Hmm. That last voice you heard was the voice of Minnesota historian and author Bill Green. He spoke this weekend at the opening of a new exhibit at the Minnesota Historical Society created to further the state's conversation about Reconstruction and Jim Crow. The exhibit is called Black Citizenship in the Age of Jim Crow, and Bill Green is here now to talk about it. Bill, welcome back to Minnesota Now. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So you've had a chance now to see uh, the Minnesota Historical Society's exhibit on Jim Crow. Uh, what did you see? What stood out to you? Well, um, it, it it was it's a fine display. I hope everybody gets a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also an opportunity to sort of see contrast between uh, how discrimination existed in America at the time, both up north and in, in the south. Um, there's also uh, hidden underneath the story is uh, a notion that that uh, that the North was very different from the South in mm. terms of discrimination. And Minnesota also had a reputation for being uh, racially progressive, notwithstanding the existence of, of discrimination of housing and things of that nature. Um, but what's interesting about that is that policymakers, business leaders, and whatnot, who supported um, the black community, um, provided funding and resources for uh, activities to occur for blacks where they could celebrate their race and their culture. Um, these same owners, these same uh, policymakers, these same business owners uh, discriminated against hiring blacks. So you had those who were in favor of supporting blacks, but not to the point of employing them. Hmm. Uh, and I think that that's sort of characteristic of a, of a place where um, the policymakers are mindful of how any sort of support for blacks could alienate them from a, a white base. Hmm. Um, the attitudes of racial progress um, 
though embraced by leaders of the community, uh, white leaders of the community, uh, were not pushed down to the man on the street. So uh, mm. you have oftentimes a, a bifurcated society or sensibility towards race. Sure. Blacks could, uh, could, could see a law passed that would ban um, lynching, for example, 1921. Um, but within a matter of a couple years, the, the sponsors of that bill, with the support of political leaders across, could not purchase a home in, in a white neighborhood. And that was uh, that occurred without any sort of pushback on the part of policymakers. So, you know, Minnesota's history of race is one of paradox. Mm. <laughs> I think that's the main thing I want to characterize here. Yeah. And I think it's so wonderful uh, what you said about, you know, it makes a lot of sense that a law can change on the books. But if you don't have the buy in from everyone to follow that law, then that progress is really only on a piece of paper. And I I know that, uh, you know, it's so interesting. Minnesota became a state right around the time of Reconstruction. Right. And then we know Reconstruction, of course, was the period following the Civil War in which there was these attempts to sort of rectify the issues of slavery really for the first time. Uh, in your research, did you find some stories of families who were really thriving in those in those 50 years post-Civil War in Minnesota? Tell me about them. Oh, yes. I mean, that's the other side of, of the Black experience in Minnesota. You have, even though discrimination existed, Black people learned um, to, 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 well, they always knew how to create their own community. Hmm. And uh, they created their own institutions. Um, the church became very, very key in creating a community of, of, of solidarity, in effect. Uh, it also became a source of political enfranchisement, or, or at least voice. Um, political leaders would seek out the support of members of the black church, for example. Uh, and, and you also had the evolution of a black middle class forming. Hmm. Uh, and and uh, that was oftentimes due to the fact that the black community was growing large enough for, for African-Americans to support their own businesses, uh, to yeah. support their own restaurants and things of that nature. So there is a, a thriving community evolving at the time of discrimination. Uh, and it also relied on the black community sort of um, being discreet with their successes, hmm. because you did not want to necessarily draw attention to, uh, to, to yourself from unwanted sources. And uh, I do wonder how you see sort of that time period and everything you described. How did that set the stage for Black people living in Minnesota today? Well, um, you still have a lot of the inequities that mm. existed. Um, back then, it still exists today. Um, the the issues between African Americans and the police, for example, that mm-hmm. was a problem that was not unique, or that is not unique to today, but existed back at the turn of the century. Um, educa- the issues of education. <coughs> excuse me. African Americans were were in schools, but they they often they they were not taught by African American teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so on and so forth. There there are different ways in which blacks were beginning to venture into um, their own uh, celebration of who they were, businesses, restaurants, things of that nature. But they they did that within the context of of discrimination. 
Sure. Uh, and so. so. Sure. And I, I do wonder, you know, as you take a look back, you're so well versed in history, but for people just attending, you know, maybe this exhibit or, or watching the film, uh, what do you hope people take away from taking a look at the past? Well, I think that, um, first of all, exhibits are important. They're, they're absolutely important. Mm-hmm. They remind us in graphic ways of what happened in the past. Yeah. On the other hand, I think the exhibit in and of itself is insufficient in really uh, educating the public and, and bringing the kind of dialogue that you need. There has to be context. And mm. uh, so oftentimes um, just the presentation of imagery from the past becomes one-dimensional. Hmm. And it also conveys the sense that um, not much more needs to be done because, after all, black men could vote. Well, hmm. black women could not. Hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's a question of really looking at why is disparity a factor and why does it continue? The images from the display can serve as a springboard for those kinds of discussions. It can refine and um, um, elevate uh, the kinds of issues that we need to address. Absolutely. Uh, that we're not happy. Absolutely. Minnesota author and historian Bill Green, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Thank you. Thank you for having me.